it's going to be a little tough to, to talk to a class where there are at least two people out there who could do this for me and better than I could do it. So, sir, good to see you as well. Sir, good to see you. I have a few slides. They asked me to talk to a few subjects, but what I really want to do is I'm going to rip through these things uh, and hit a couple of the things that I was asked to talk about and get to question and answers because I, what I really want to do is save time for you to talk back to me or to ask me things that are on your mind. So let's put the first slide up. Next one, please. Uh, it is a busy place in Europe right now. As was just mentioned, Russia and Ukraine is uh, causing us a lot of issues. Uh, we thought after, especially after uh, the invasion of Georgia, that the time in Europe where a nation would use force to change international boundaries was over. And what we now see is that is not the case. Recently, Russia in, in uh, Crimea assembled a large force on an international border, prepared that force, called it an exercise, drove that force across an internationally recognized border and annexed a portion of a sovereign nation at the point of a gun. And then when that was over, the world said, okay, that was bad, but, but Russia had political ties and historical ties to Crimea, and so this won't happen again. And then five weeks later, they assemble a huge force on the eastern border of Ukraine, um, and drive that force across into Ukraine across the last two and a half months, rearrange all of the, the situation in eastern Ukraine such that the Ukrainian army has pretty much, pretty much been defeated and moved back away from Donetsk and Luhansk, and now Russia is imposing its will in eastern Ukraine as it did in Crimea. So we have a situation where the norms of Western civilization as we thought in Eastern Europe have been changed. And Russia has demonstrated that it is willing to use its military instrument to rearrange international boundaries. And that causes NATO great consternation, especially some of the smaller nations in NATO who at one point were part of the Warsaw Pact and still have large Russian speaking populations inside their boundaries. And so the, the Russia-Ukraine problem is, is quite uh, a challenge. I'll speak lightly to the rest of them, uh, and then if you want to talk about them in the Q&A, we can. Frozen conflicts refers to what's happening right now in Georgia, where we have Russian troops on Georgian soil. In Moldova, where we have Russian troops in the region called Transnistria, again on Moldovan soil. Now we have Russian troops in Crimea on Ukrainian soil and Russian troops in eastern Ukraine. Why do we call them frozen, frozen conflicts? When a nation begins to lean towards the West, either the European Union or NATO, Russia ends up with a conflict, leaves force behind in that nation, and it serves as their pocket veto to that nation ever becoming a part of the West. And so we call it a frozen conflict. Turkey is a great ally, and as you know, Turkey is in a tough place in the world right now. To their south is ISIS, ISIL, IS, whatever you want to call it. To their north is Russia, uh, and this is a tough part of the neighborhood. For NATO, this is an ally that we will defend, and so it is of great concern to NATO what's happening on their southern border 
and how Russia is beginning to treat the Black Sea as their backyard as opposed to an international body of water. Foreign fighter flow, you've heard all about it. Lots of foreign fighters in eastern Syria, western Iraq. Some of those now are beginning to come home. Uh, For NATO and for the western European nations, huge wake-up call when a Belgian foreign fighter returned, shot up a bunch of Belgian citizens, and then quickly darted across the border into France. As you know, the Schengen Zone allows free movement. And so many of the nations in Europe were very concerned about their foreign fighters and what they thought they might have to do with their foreign fighters. What happened when the Belgians shot up people and then darted quickly into France is they realized that they're now going to have to worry about everybody's foreign fighters because of the freedom of the movement of this problem. And so foreign fighter flow is going to remain a a big problem. Um, Israel in the Levant is, of course, uh, uh, part of the UCOM mission, and uh, I, I don't think I have to explain the, the long-running uh, conflict that we have there and what it means. And why would the European commander put Africa on his map of concerns? Because everything that happens in northern Africa spills across the Mediterranean into southern NATO. And right now we have a great concern among our NATO allies because we see a a problem to the east and the north with Russia, a revanchist Russia that is causing us all issues. But in the south, Italy, Greece, Spain, France are facing large problems that begin in North Africa and then land on their shores. And so for the nations of NATO and Europe, which is my concern What happens in North Africa is really, really important. Next slide, please. I was asked to talk about one of the things that makes me proud. There are several military leaders in this room, and we all have a lot of things in our life that make us proud. I think the most proud thing about my career is the opportunities that my nation has given me to command. Uh, I think one of the greatest uh, responsibilities And one of the greatest opportunities that our nation gives young military leaders is to lead their sons and daughters uh, in this business we call the military, into combat in some cases, into peacemaking and peacekeeping in other cases. But the ability to command the sons and daughters of America is a a great privilege. And and I've had uh, eight of these commands, most of them overseas and many of them downrange, and I I just wouldn't bore you, but I could tell you a story about every one of those where a young airman or a soldier, sailor, airman or marine when I was in a joint command did something extraordinary, something that you would never understand how they could bring themselves to do. There's a story in every one of those commands. And so my proudest moment is being able to lead men and women who do the mission that you expect of them in the military. They do it selflessly and they do it so very professionally. That's probably my proudest moments. Next. Next slide, please. I was asked to talk just a little bit about leadership. The, the greatest form of flattery is what? Plagiarism. 
There's not a single thing on this slide that I didn't learn from someone else. And so I don't have time to talk about all of these. I just want to talk about a couple. The first one is loyalty goes up, down, and lateral. We learn early that if we take care of our people, they will take care of the mission. It's often when you talk to military people that we understand what loyalty down is, how we take care of our troops and the troop get the, gets the mission done. It's the loyalty up part that sometimes is challenging. The loyalty up part is sometimes challenging because you have your belief system and what you think needs to be done, but we always have a boss. And how do you define the relationship of what you think is right versus what your boss thinks is right? It's a, it, you could talk for days about it. The last one I want to point to is the bottom. Those colors are marine colors. And actually, those three sayings, uh, when I learned them from a man that I would follow right into the gates of Hades if he wanted me to go fight with him, a, a man named John Sattler, uh, Lieutenant General Marine, retired. He had a sticker that he carried around all the time, and it said, Which Marine have you encouraged today? Which Marine have you taught today? And which Marine have you carried today? And he thought of leadership in along the following ways. He had a lot of these little stickers that with that on there. And he made a lot of hotel people angry because he'd stick them on the mirrors. <laughs> so that in the morning when he was shaving, he would remind himself what was important about the day he was about to have. And that was taking care of encouraging, teaching, and carrying his Marines. And then in the evening, when he was brushing his teeth to go to bed... He would ask himself those three questions to decide had he had an important day and if he had encouraged some of his Marines that day or if he had taught some of his Marines that day or in the really tough cases, if he had carried one of his Marines that day, then it was a good day. And so this plagiarism is the best form of compliment. And I have plagiarized this from Gerald Sattler and I use this now all the time. I think he was a fabulous leader and he taught me a lot about how to, to lead uh, young soldiers, sailors, airmen and marines in the joint business. Next slide. Things I've learned the hard way. I'm going to just pick a couple of these things. The first one is trust your people implicitly until they prove they cannot be trusted and then get rid of them. So in our business, I don't know about your business, but in our business, trust is must be there. Absolutely. Especially among ground soldiers who serve in, in some really tough places, it's the soldier or the Marine left and right of them that makes or break the mission and their personal safety and the safety of their unit. If you can't trust someone... Uh, I've learned the hard way that if you try to keep them around and fix it, it will only cause cancer and poison in your unit. And so while it is hard, it's a harsh truth, but I've learned to trust people right up into the nanosecond that they can't be trusted, and then I get rid of them, and it saved me some angst. The last one. Just this past month, my wife and I celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary. And thank you. As a young major, I forgot this, this saying, and I nearly ruined that marriage because I got my profession 
and what I wanted to do, and I'm using this personal pronoun for a reason because at that point in my career, it was all about I, me. All my personal pronouns are I, me, my, mine, okay? And I got confused. And so now I think one of the things, if I can pass any uh, life hard lesson on to my troops, it's this one, and that is, and I'll just use my service, but it applies to all, and I would offer it might apply even to you in your private life if you're at IBM or wherever. And it goes like this. Your family is before the Air Force. Your family is during the Air Force. And your family is after the Air Force. Don't get messed up about what's permanent and what's temporary. And that would be something I think might help you get to 35 years of your marriage.